welcome back to Rate That Album, a back-and-forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muadib. Paul, how are you doing? Sorry, I, I um, kind of got my, my motor stuck in my brain. I'm okay, buddy. How are you? Well, Paul, I'm sick and tired of hanging around with dogs like you. You're the first to get blamed and always the last bitch to get paid. <laughs> Well, you know what? The laughs may be cheap, but that's because the joke's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this week, uh, Paul took a a spin on the the wheel of shit, and we landed on uh, 1980s Emotional Rescue by the band The Rolling Stones. Uh, So, Paul, uh, I'll kind of give my thoughts here, but let's get your initial thoughts of where, you know, where you land on the stones. Cause a lot of, I find people either like them or hate them. You know, I, I'm, I've always been like, I know people like if they're there to me, I don't understand the polarization. They're fine. Um, I mean, they've put out fucking how many goddamn albums? Well, this one alone in 1980 is their 17th album. Yeah, in 1980. They've only 17th. been around for 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> and they're still fucking doing shit. So, I mean, uh, with the Stones, I, I think this album is perfect, by the way, for us to discuss this. And I'm I'm going to bring this up, I think, after we do the review and kind of my, my thing. But... The Stones, they are, um, I mean, they have bangers. Let's, let's, I, let's not, let's, let's put that out there right now. I don't care. People who say they hate the Stones, there are songs of the Stones that you will listen to and be like, all right, that's not a bad song. Um, they have such a huge catalog of music, right? Yep. And I mean, they have been around since 1963. And I I think between EPs and live things and like that, I mean, they got to have 50, 60 records out there, Joe. I I have at, to the, think. at the least. At the least. And if you throw in greatest hits. And that type and of thing. Live right? album. Yeah, it's. I mean, and they have they have greatest hits based on years, if I'm not mistaken. Like, these are the greatest 1963 to 1967 greatest hits. And these, I mean, there is something about the Stones. There is a, there's an undeniable talent there. This is one of those bands, one of those uh, musician groups that is absolutely, you cannot deny a powerful magnet of talent, uh, a talent powerhouse. And I don't know if we'll see something quite like this again. I mean, people say that a lot. I think we will, but not because of when they came about. And kind of how they came about. I don't think we'll see them like get the heights that the Rolling Stones did per se, um, if that makes sense. But this is one of those once in a generation bands. Um, and this one actually went like three, four generations. So there you go. That's my thoughts on the Stones. Yeah. I mean, they came out with another once in a generation band with, of the Beatles, of which they had a, mm-hmm. a friendly revival. And this kind of like what I kind of want to touch a bit before we get in the review. Uh, because arguably, my favorite era, I, I'm a Stones fan. My favorite is uh, late 60s into the mid 70s when they're like 
just fucked up on heroin because mm-hmm. that that era gave us uh, "Let It Bleed," "Beggar's Banquet," "Exile on Main Street," "Goat's Head Soup," which are just fucking phenomenal. And it's it's the post Brian Jones stuff. It's with Mick Taylor, mm-hmm. and so like Grant after their de- first decade, they put out their best material. And it kind of makes me like, when is the right time for a band to bow out? Mm-hmm. Because arguably the Beatles did it much sooner. They did it 1970, 69, if you want to be technical. Uh, and they went out, but they mostly imploded. It wasn't really, <laughs> that's you know, that's like the difference, right? On, they yeah. lucked out on that implosion because, you know, where the Stones continued on, but then... When you get to like the album we're talking about, which is Emotional Rescue in 1980, they feel like their creativity is running on fumes. Beyond fumes, like the the, the tank is empty at this point. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? What do you, should I'm, bands continue? And if they do, should it? I think if they should continue, if they continue, it should be for the right reasons and not just for paycheck. Uh, this is a good question because. Joe, I'm going to bring up wrestling. <laughs> oh, fucking goddamn it. Just, just calm down for a minute, all right? So there is, and again, I don't, I want to make it very clear, people. I actually don't watch wrestling anymore, okay? I listened to a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes podcasts of when I was a kid and getting kind of, like, the crazy, like, what was going on. Behind. I find that stuff far more fascinating than what the wrestlers were doing. But I bring this up because... It was all over my YouTube and everything because of these podcasters that Ric Flair many years ago had a retirement match, and it was actually considered really good for a retirement match. Then he came back like 10 years later. He can barely walk, um, and he's in this match, and it's just it's pathetic. Then you have wrestlers like the rock and things like that. And that, and, and that keep coming back or like Hulk Hogan. And then he has his own story. They keep coming back. The, the problem with this is it's not a answer that you can give like card, uh, Blanc. It's not like a yes or no. It really depends on where they're at. For example, poor Ozzy, he just canceled all of his tours cause he can't do it anymore. Now, should he have stopped? Like some people be like, he should have stopped a while ago. Other people say, no, I I love the shit that they're doing. It's a subjective question. I do think on average, people who are uh, used to the fame and that type of thing do tend to stay past their expiration date. I will say that. Um, But sometimes it works. I mean, Think about it, Joe. This is 1980. People were saying they were kind of done after 20 years, and they still were going to put out some of their best music 10 years later. Yeah. So, I mean, the album after this contains some tat- of the biggest hits. Exactly, Joe. So, uh, yeah, Tattoo You has Start Tattoo Me you. Up. Yeah, yeah. Start Me Up on there, which if I, they sold for a lot of money for, what was it, Windows to use in a commercial? Like, more money than they could ever use in their lifetime. Because it was that big of a hit. Yeah. No, Joe, I mean, just, and this, I mean, yeah, Tattoo You, and then what came after Tattoo You? Um, It was Still Life, which wasn't a bad album. Um, After Still Life was Undercover. 
Um, I mean, they still had a lot of life to them yet. I, I mean, you and I talked about it, and other bands have done things. Um, um, like we talked about the Bangles, where they ended too early, but that's because they imploded. So, I mean, when people say something like that, again, there's 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 examples of both. And I think with the Stones, they proved everybody fucking wrong. And we're like, we can still fucking go. So, I mean, the fact that Mick Jagger's not fucking dead is insanity. Is fucking insanity, Joe. Yeah, I agree to an extent, though. And here's the thing, because there are hits after this album, and we'll be when we get into this album, are all very reminiscent of their earlier hits in the 60s and early 70s. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of like they're, you know, they're going back to the well. They're not really doing anything original. And that's kind of what's going to be my big gripe on this album, which is Emotional Rescue. But yeah, yeah, it's hard to gauge that. I mean, it's hard like, when bands should gracefully bow out because almost every band that does a graceful bow out comes back for the paycheck. And I don't behoove the Stones. They've apparently, you know, they're like, what, almost in their 80s now? Late 70s, early 80s. And they're still selling out tickets. And I've not met, not talked to one person who's gone to a Stones concert and regretted it. You know, my mom, I think, has seen the Stones twice. And every time she's seen them, she's like, oh, my God, it's the greatest band ever. You know, yeah. so and I'm not going to I mean, I'm honest, I'm not shelling out the, the hundreds of dollars. I'm not. I, I I respect the Stones. I like the Stones, but I'm not that big of a Stones fan to do that, if that makes sense. If they did the whole album of one of my favorites, I probably would. Like if they did all of Exile on Main Street, <laughs> like that weird ass double album, I'd, I'd probably shell out the 200 bucks to see that. Live. Good point. Good point. Sticky Good fingers. They, they did that thing with sticky fingers. I probably would have seen that if I had the chance, but, but, but you know what? I wouldn't pay hundreds of dollars to see live Paul. Emotional uh, rescue. Emotional rescue. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the very confusing, uh, like I said, uh, running on fumes, almost completely filler album. From 1980, where they're still pushing the disco, even at this point, disco is pretty much on its way out the door, which is another very confusing thing for me. Uh, this was a it's interesting that it's, most of the songs are just the core members, except for like some keyboards and other elements. Uh, this is Keith Richards as he kind of flamed out with heroin in the 70s. Oh, uh, gee. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, the, the stories of recording Exile on Main Street is, you know, he'd basically on the nod all day, wake up at midnight or something like that, and then they'd go and record. You know, so a lot of that, like, which fueled the greatness of those early 70s albums, also kind of starts tearing the band apart. Weird that drug addiction can kind of do that, Paul. Drug Isn't addiction. The first time in history. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, music bands where drugs really put everybody in a rough spot. You know, well, 
Drugs and music are interesting, aren't they? Because there are definitely artists out there that thrived, as we've seen, because of the drug use and then flamed out because of the drug use. Because um, sometimes the drug use is, is the muse. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's like people like, yeah, the drugs did You know, the, of course the drugs didn't make the music, but it was the muse. Like, you'd, it'd be silly to say there'd be a Sergeant Pepper if there was never LSD. Right. hundred percent. It's, it's, I mean, rubber soul is the same way, right? Yeah. Um, revolver revolver. I mean, if it a revolver, if it wasn't for pot revolver, dark never, side of the moon. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. The Piper well, at the gates of dawn. Piper at the gates of dawn. Yeah. D- drugs have been amused. I mean, uh, 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 fucking uh, velvet yes. underground heroin, right? Yes. Yeah, Miles Davis. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the, the problem with it is, and I, I, since we're talking about the Stones, we'll talk a little bit about the Beatles. Um, uh, it, I believe it was uh, George Harrison of the Beatles talked about going to Woodstock and thought it was going to be this amazing thing, the original Woodstock, and thought this is going to be this amazing, you know, uh, melding of like, you know, uh, he went to hate Ashbury. Was that it? Was it hate Ashbury? He went to hate Ashbury. Yeah, okay. He saw all the burned out kids. That's what it was. Yeah. And he thought, oh my God, this is going to be a mecca of, you know, intellectual conversation. All these people are going to be turned on from the drugs. They're going to, you know, they're going to be thinking, they're going to be doing these things. And all he saw was a bunch of spotty dropouts. Um, and this is the, you know, the, this is the experience that I've seen, you know, with my own use is I was very fortunate enough to never really get the hook. I was able to dabble, get what I wanted out of it and walk away. Um, and I've, uh, I've seen it with, with, you know, I, again, we, I was in bands. I hung out with other bands. Um, I fuck. I remember, I'm not going to say the name of the band cause I don't want to, in case people who do listen, uh, know it. And it was a local band. Um, but I remember going, uh, after a show and they were having an after party and on the table there was a there was a metal like serving plate and every single drug under existence was on this thing and i was like i'm out <laughs> i'll see you guys later because i was like this you know this isn't this isn't my scene i don't, it's not just you know whatever but then you get this you get uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some other really famous drug burnout stories from, from musicians. I mean, you get, um, well, you got Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. Yeah. You had, you had just a lot. So yeah. There's a lot of casualties on that road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Chris Cornell, I believe, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, just, uh, uh, it can be the muse and then it can become the downfall. Um, yes. Blondie, good prime, you know, that's a really good example right there. You know, the drugs kind of fucked them up for a little while because they end up breaking up because of the drugs. Yep. Mark Lanigan. Yep. Mark Lanigan. Covered, uh, yesterday was the one year anniversary of when he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a, yeah. Heroin. Yeah. So it, it's the muse and then the muse can, it becomes the demon, I guess. And that's what happens with Richards and he cleans up and this is kind of like when he's starting to come out of that and then there's friction then coming into it because he used to be the co kind of lead guy in the band. Yep. And now for years it was Jagger because 
you know, somebody had to take the reins. It's kind of like the the Lennon thing with McCartney where Lennon just kind of fucked off for so many years. And he's like, all of a sudden he's like, Hey guys, I'm going to run the band. And they're like, uh, nah, <laughs> nah, Yeesh. you're not focused. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a J you know, Richards. Yeah. The stories of him in the seventies. Jesus. <laughs> The stories of him, even he's still in the eighties, even too. Like nine, even he just quit drinking a few years ago. <laughs> uh, did he really just a few years ago? Yeah, but he doesn't consider beer booze. <laughs> Do you, you okay? Do he's we a have weird this? guy. No, 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 no. He's no, a guy no. who has like you know fish lures in his hair. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna say this. This is that is a classic alcoholic yeah. fake. Because my old man, when he supposedly quit drinking, and he was still hiding that he was drinking vodka, but when he, quote, quit drinking, uh, beer isn't drinking, and he'd fucking pound, like, (laughs) two four packs to make up for the vodka he was missing. Yeah. So, you know, that is, that's, that's part of the alcoholic cycle there, where it's that whataboutism and making, like, uh, moving the goalposts, as it were. You yeah. got to remember, though, Paul, there was <laughs> Brian Jones was kicked out of this band because even he was doing too much for <laughs> Keith Richards. Right, right, right. He'd right. end up dr- drunkenly falling in his pool and <laughs> drowning. So, oh, God, so sad. Yeah. Um, Talented guy. But we're here to talk about emotional rescue, Paul. And like I said, it's 1980. Emotional rescue. And, uh, I feel like they were a little artistically uh, exhausted at this point, but you want to get into it, Paul? You want to get into it? I, I do. Cause I have, yeah. Let's, Is there anything let's, else you want to touch upon with the well, before we dig into this? I mean, it's hard because normally we'll dig into the history of the band, right? Well, there, there's nothing we can add. And this has been thing. said about these guys. Right. I mean, if you're interested in the stones and you're listening to this, there's not much we can add. But the problem is we're doing an album review, right? We're not doing a review on the stones. And again, it's easier for us to talk about bands and kind of go, okay, during this time frame, they did this, they did that, they did this. But when you get to the stones and they have a fucking 60 year history <laughs> and they're still going it's hard to draw the line of what story are we going to tell of the rolling stones right well, so it's not that hard because they're pretty much <laughs> creatively bankrupt on this album well, right. that's like because we're going to talk this is a very confusing album for me it, it is, but for me actually there's ooh, there's so much there that I want to get to but I mean yeah this is i just want to just in from 1965 to 1967 that was like the big years for them and then there joan we touched upon it if you don't know it um jones died and he was the um the drummer right he was the drummer he was the guitarist he was oh, the original right. lead guitarist he was the original lead guitarist that's right that's right that's right oh, he died uh, he was the guy who introduced like the sitar into their stuff for like paint it black and shit like that like he was a very innovative but drugs really destroyed him uh following that is the mctaylor years that's the years i like 
uh, I think they kind of like they kind of come into their own as more of a a solid band. Uh, the interaction between uh, Richards and Taylor, guitar wise, is the best the Stones will ever ever be, and that's even Mick Jagger said that, and <laughs> so has Keith Richards, which is you know fuck you, Ronnie Wood, I guess. Right. Yep. Yep. Because there was the Ronnie Wood years, right? Or the Ronnie which Wood. Which are now. Yeah. It's from yep. after yep. Mick Taylor. It's Ronnie Wood. Ronnie Wood should, you know, he was a good fit. Like, I like the faces, uh, faces yep. as well. Uh, yep. I like the faces as well. Stewart yep, and, him and Rod Stewart. Absolutely. Which, so he's a perfect fit for the band, but I just feel like it just, you know, nothing really great came out of it. And I think that's also part of age. Yep. No, I completely agree with and you. Fear uh, of rocking the boat after a while. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then you had the the commercial peak years, which is actually right after this album is when they basically put out some of their, their like commercially their biggest things. And then in the 80s, I mean, they were kind of doing their own thing at that point. And then, what, in the 90s, they got back together, started putting out hits again. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you'd call those hits. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, but it made them relevant, again, it, I should say. I don't, yeah, it, it gave them a reason to continue on. It's it, Yeah, in the 90s. And then by the 2000s, I mean, it was kind of done. But, you, I mean, they're, they're still going. Yeah, point. yeah, they're just a touring. I mean, they put out occasional, like, singles here and there. But that's really it. Um, but I mean, if you're really fascinated, you want to know some things, there's lots of books, there's lots of information, there's documentaries. I think, um, the, 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 what is it? The adventures of the Rolling Stones or something like that. I think is a documentary. Didn't Scorsese do a a documentary with them? Um, I I think, yeah, he did like a live show or something. Yeah. Something like that or something. Yeah. There's a lot out there on the stones. So there's really not much we can cover and the problem is if you and i were to really go through like the history like we did say with blondie last album or the bangles last album we wouldn't get to the fucking album no because there's so much there so i'm I'm not really interested in talking about the history of the stones because again it's already been said i talked about the era i like Uh, you talked about the era you like uh and now we're (laughs) what i'm gonna call the not so great (laughs) Well, the not so great album. Let's, well, the let's, not let's, so great album. Yes, and it's uh, and the reviews were pretty much on the same. And with my gripe is that a lot of these songs sound like retreading of familiar ground. Even the disco songs, because they had already done a disco album ish before this. I say ish, so don't jump on me, Stones fans. But it had miss you on. It was some girls. I'm not a fan of that album. I'm one of those. I just don't care for it, whatever. Uh, okay. So I'm going to be on I did not wiki anything before this. I just went off cause I know a lot about the stones, right? I didn't really wiki anything. I didn't go anything off. I didn't look at the reviews of this album. So maybe I'll talk about what I want to talk about before we get to it. Then after my problem with this album, Joe, cause you kind of, I think we're going to be on the same point. This is what I would consider the structural skeleton to every fucking stones song ever like this to me pulls away all the fucking curtains everything like this is the stones by the numbers phoning it in on every one of the things they do musically um is my thought on this album 
Yeah, I mean, it's just retreading, uh, and it's not in particularly interesting. It's not even. And here's it, the weird thing about this album is it's performed well. Yeah, it is. It's produced well. Mm-hmm. It's just amazingly forgettable. Well, the thing is, is that with the Stones, I was thinking about this. Well, let's let, let's start because I have notes. Let's just yeah, let's going. start. Let's start. Yeah. So it so starts off with dance part one. Mm-hmm. There's no dance part two, by the way, and there shouldn't be. Full disclosure, and this is the the one song that Ronnie Wood is wrote for the album, and right away I was annoyed because it's right on. Uh, it's a disco song, and like you either do disco well or just don't do it at all. This is not done well. It's not the worst disco song. There's two of them. The other one is egregiously bad. <laughs> so. Again, I'm going to bring up, you brought this up with Blondie, right? Like, here you have a band that's really not a disco band, right? And they're coming at the last gasp of disco. By 1980, most people had turned their back on disco. It was it was kind of a done deal at that point. People well, were over the it. Disco, the, the, the record burning at Comiskey Field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, it you seemed know, a little, uh, that seemed like a bit much. Disco Stew says disco will never die. Um, but disco Stew doesn't advertise. It doesn't advertise. <laughs> Normal Stew. <laughs> um, so well, Homer had that jacket. You know, he just didn't have enough space to put the D in Disco Stud. <laughs> the disco Stud. You should totally get that that jacket. Disco, disco Stew doesn't advertise. <laughs> I love how it was a single joke created an entire character that ran through the seasons. It's, um, it's, his platform shoes with the fish in them. You can't get them out. <laughs> oh, talk about another thing that overstayed its welcome. Anyway. Anyways, right. It's funny we went there. But, okay, it has some disco funk to it. The hook works. The, the, the thing is, it's a song. I mean, what the stone, when the Stones do a bad song, the weird thing, and this is what gives this is why I think there's such like it's you know, people hate them because they're so whatever, right? But the truth of the matter is, even when they do a band song, it's better than some of the worst bands' best music, right? Like they're failing. Well, that's not hard to do. There's a million bands out there putting out really shitty music, Paul. That's I, not, I know, a, but, but that's when not they, exactly the great bar. But <laughs> what I mean, even when they fail, it's like an upward fail. It's like eh, we could have, they could have done a lot worse. I mean, there's there's a song on here that I actually really despise and. We'll get to it, but um, I, I, but the thing is, is I, I don't understand why. I mean, I know it was made in 1980. I mean, in 1979, it was recorded in 1979. But w- w- by 1980, why the fuck are you re- releasing a disco song? It's not that was that was an error judgment on everyone involved: the record company, the Stones, the producers, everybody. That was a misjudgment. Nobody wanted it. Um, emotional rescue was it on the radio a little bit? Yeah, is it anymore? Not really. No, no, no. no, no these songs no. aren't played on the radio. No. Maybe like one is one. I know is one. I know is the one. The hit though. I don't think I've ever even heard it on the radio. I used to have to listen to a lot of FM, old greatest hits. You know, classic rock stations. Even that one, I don't even remember. It's like that one just gets. Sh- 
glazed over and as it should because it's a bad song it's a it's it's is it is is it great no um is it yeah yeah but uh, so I, dance part one man. dance That's, part one though is never. it starts with babbling that just stops <laughs> like they know like yeah we should just let's just stop doing this even so, and uh, skip it and 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 again you know i hate let's get into my other pet peeve dude lyrics lyrics um boy the how many times you said that worked the ooh and it's got me moving moving ooh, it's got me moving ooh it's got me moving and sharona but that's another thing that mick jagger does and this is yeah the weird stats he does yeah the weird things that he does and i i tend to lean towards some of them like where people because this is one of the things he does on a lot of his hits it's a various james brown it's very bluesy it's a very live type of thing um it doesn't do much for me when i like the stones we'll get to it later um and i'll explain like this is the stones that gets me um i see where people would like it but again this is really feels like a phone-in like it really this yeah all right let's move on joe what did you think of summer romance uh, my note for this right off the bat a generic bar band blues rock song utterly forgettable and lots and lots of repeating my notes is super generic 70s 80s rock song i will say it's far better than a lot of the music that was coming out in the 1978 uh, 1982 in terms of production um but the lyrics are driving me insane <laughs> yeah they're again this feels like they're on fumes Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's I mean the, and the thing is like they try to be shocking at times in this album and it, 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 by 1980 it's not it's not you, already had, you had the punk movement that's pretty much like done too by 1980 it's starting to die first it's, wave, that first wave of it that first wave of punk is starting to die absolutely yeah. is and like they were doing a lot more risque lyrics I mean the Stones are a long way from their song Cocksucker Blues at this point. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, so, like, when they're doing it, it feels like they're doing it just, eh, we better have something in there a little risque. I, I, I agree. I and, agree. It's, and it's weird that they're singing about money on this song. Like, I need money so bad. Like, dude, you guys are millionaire rocks. Wait, are we talking about, no, we're talking about Summer Romance. Wait, which? which summer uh, Romance. Okay, hang on. Did I get a different? Because uh, I listened to the album. Did I get a different track listing? Hang on, hang on here. Yeah, summer romance. Yeah, summer romance. Okay, but I, I, is there money in that? All I got was it's yeah, over now. Verse three. I need money so much. I need money so bad. I can't oh be your God! Mom, okay. I can't I'm, be your I, dad. You know right. I was checked, dude. I'm sorry. I'm a serious the, man. I got serious loss. Joe, Joe, I apologize. I was because it was so repetitive. Like I think my brain shut off. So, God. Uh, like all I remember from the song truly is it's over now. It's a summer romance. It's through. It's over now. It's a, like I I didn't even realize that verse three deviated from any of the shit that they were saying. So I apologize. <laughs> Like, like shit, that's pretty embarrassing. That is pretty embarrassing, you guys. But hey, you've done it too, where you've said to me, I gotta admit, Paul, I, I checked out. <laughs> so this is my I admit. don't think I've ever said that once. <laughs> <laughs> God. 
uh, yeah, it's, yeah, there's not much that it's like over and over a summer romance over uh, and over. That's you can't blame me for being like, wait a minute. There was lyrics about money in here. <laughs> God <damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It's again, it's a forgettable song. It's, <laughs> it's not that good. Fucking uh, a. Yeah. Then we get to, now we get to a kind of a gross song. For mm-hmm. me, at least how I read this song, it send it to me. Yeah. Is that on your track list, Paul? Do you remember this song? Because it starts with a nice guitar intro and with some reggae riff. Um, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't. Uh, but yep. this is about. I feel like this is send me a prostitute, and I don't care what they look like or where they are from. Yeah, I just, I just yeah. need some. Or up. like a mail order bride. Um, yeah, I don't think the Stones are the Marion type ball. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no. No. Get your head no. out of your ass, Paul. This is the Rolling Stones. <laughs> God damn it! You're giving people too much credit, Gilmer. <laughs> you turn this into a Gilmer thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Gilmer. This isn't Peter Gabriel. They aren't nice. This isn't Tony Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Congeniality. This is the Stones. They just want to fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Like, yeah, well, it seems like they're trying too hard. Like we get it. You're in your forties now. Yeah. You're, who are you trying to prove this to? Nobody cares. Mm. I don't care. I think once you have that lifestyle and you had that, like in the sixties, seventies, you're still trying to get that. I mean, dude. You. I mean, I think you just got to fucking order the fucking scratch the VD itch. I mean, really. <laughs> Um, my notes for this one were it's standard stones flare with a reggae beat. I, I remember this was on the radio at one point. I do know that I, this was on the radio. Yeah, um, this was, I think it was a single. It was a single, but it's not anymore. Right. But I don't at, think any of these songs are on the radio anymore. Paul, oh. like it's like the radio will do start me up still. Start me up. Yep. Beast of burden. Beast of burden. They, will they won't go so too cold. far after uh, that and then miss you. But after that, they, they really don't go after 75 stones. It's just. Um, yeah, I they well, but I'm telling she's so cold. It's still played on the radio. I know that for a fact. It's still played That's... on the radio. But but the thing that I remember. I don't know why you keep saying that. That's never happened. That song was never, 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 never happened. Never happened. Um, um. So, uh, I, I will say that the reason why I remember this song having been on the radio is I do remember she could be Romanian, she could be Bulgarian. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, they did that specifically for world touring. <laughs> <laughs> they did that specifically so they could get groupies in world touring and they could fucking um, emphasize it or whatever, right? Um, but yeah, it's. Again, the stones, they fail in a way that is like the floor is not that far when they fall. They're not grossly incompetently failing on songs. No. Basically, it's just I it's it it's comes a, as it's, filler. It's lazy. It's, it's lazy. Up like, yeah. yeah. You, you know, honestly, there is a blueprint in this song that this could have been a good song, honestly. Yep. It really could have, but yeah, I thought that on a couple other songs too, but yeah, but they're so, and tight. if you want to go to blueprints, Paul, we get to let me go, which 
for me, suspiciously feels a lot like the song Shattered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, they took the blueprint from Shattered and they're like, yeah, let's do it again with Let Me Go. It, Only it, two years later. <laughs> it very much has that. But I also, I have to say the intro, I went, Seek and Destroy? Sting's entrance music? What's happening here? <laughs> the, I don't know the, what that is. Did, anyway, the, the police, I didn't know the police had intro music, Paul. But, well, you know, everyone loves Sting um, and the police. But I, again, it this just is another blueprint for that Stones rock. It, it's just, again, I, I, this whole album, it, I feel like it's kind of, again, if you want to dissect how the Stones put together songs, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. this is the blueprint. The problem is, is that it's 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 the window dressing the the things that make it interest truly interesting the things that gussy it up the whistles and the bells are stripped down because that you can just tell they're burnt out so all it really is is like a clear glass to like an um one of those um anatomy dummies like where you can see everything that's inside everything stripped down so really if anyone anyone who wants to like try and become the new rolling stones I honestly listen to this album because this is this is how they did it. This is paint by numbers stones albums music. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird because it, you know, it's a paint by stone song. This is like very much an archetype song and the song's about just like letting something go. <laughs> like it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels yeah. weird, you know, like you guys aren't letting go of this thing but you're singing it like oh god. Like maybe they're not aware. I have no idea. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and part of it is, is again, I think too, and let's be honest, um, when this happens a lot, um, when artists kind of get to a certain point, they surround themselves with yes people. No one wants to tell them no. They start to kind of really get up their own ass. They stop acting like people and be- really become these things. And I think at this point in the stones career, maybe no one could tell them this isn't a good idea. Like, you know, again, the lyrics are just, ugh. the guitar solos, ugh. Yeah. you have nine verses in a fucking four minute song. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Up next, we got Indian girl, which, Again, it felt to me like this sounds like a like a version of Beast of Burden, but uh-huh. this song I didn't think was bad. Okay, here's because I like the lyrics in it. I, I like it's a, it's a story song. It gets some like weird pol- political stuff, but it's it actually you know it's not as empty I think as the, the other songs we've had so far. Um, I, I, you know, I, I this this is. This is what I want to say when I was talking a little bit earlier. This is the song I was bringing up when it comes to the Stones and what I appreciate for the Stones. The Stones usually have one slow song. You, uh, they always have at least one slow song, thoughtful song on every one of their albums. Yep. And I am always a sucker for oh, yeah. that song. Yeah. Like on Exile, um, Shine a Light. Oh, yes. Oh, that's yes. such fucking phenomenal song it, it can't it, always get what you want can't always get what you lead. want um ruby tuesday yeah i mean play with that's, fire. that's it uh, annie 
Uh, Angie. Uh, Angie, excuse me, Angie. Yeah, yeah, those are the Stone songs that resonate with me the most. Yeah, because they're so fucking good. They're so fucking good. Like, dude. I'd love to see them do an acoustic oh, album like that. Like, that, man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I would too. Wild Horses. Oh, my God. Fuck. Yes, Joe. Uh, you know, even. Um, um, <laughs> tight Pants now picking these songs. Falling. Uh, Gosh, these songs are good. This band was like, this band was really really good. Shitty album, but like, (laughs) you talk about like when they were actually like on fucking fire, and you're like, holy fuck, the difference is just. She's a rainbow. She's a rainbow is another one that I put in that category um, because it has that awesome piano and everything in it. Um, Yes, they under yeah yeah that's yeah that's one of them. I mean, you know, you just. These are the things that the Stones do really well. And there's always one of those songs on their album. And for me, it is Indian Girl on this album. Lyrics are great. Yeah. There's he's, a, he's it, painting a really picture of like this horrible, horrible, horrible thing. It's like, horrible thing. And he's doing it from the right point of view. Yeah. Right. He's the white guy. Yeah. You know, he's not going in as like the savior. It's just kind of like. He's seeing this, and the, the, they're telling him what's just happened. You know, people are being raped. It's poverty. It's fucking terrible. Uh, it's, I believe it's in Granada, right? Uh, Granada. Have, like, Granada, yeah. Yeah, so, I believe it. Yep, I believe, yeah. Yep, yep, I believe it was Granada. Yeah. The last piece of meat was eaten by the soldiers that raped her. Like, holy fuck, man. Yeah, they're fighting for Mr. Castro in the streets of Angola. There's intelligence, and this is the thing. This is what really separates um, the Stones from other bands. There is an intelligence. Yep. There is an absolute intelligence to them. And regardless, I know Keith Richards is a drug-addicted joke, and I know Mick Jagger's kind of, you know, just this weird guy that blah, blah, blah. But there is a intelligence, and this is what is missing from a lot of music. People just nowadays, it's throw whoever in there, give them a beat, give them a sound, give them this. This is what's missing. There, there is a soul to the Stones, yep. and that is what gives them a spark. There oh. was a soul to Nirvana. That's what gave them a spark. This is, you know, there are these bands that have this soul, and unfortunately, it's a dying situation in modern music. Yeah, yeah, that, that soul, and then like kind of like the. Looking at the world, like another example of them doing is Sympathy for the Devil, which I think is like when we're talking about genius, taking a look at biblical times and modern times from the perspective of Satan. (laughs) Please allow me to introduce. Yes, absolutely. And he's talking about all the like the start of World War One or two, the assassination of Kennedy. There is absolute brilliance in those lyrics i mean it's no i mean billy joel for all what his fucking you know he good night uh, he had soul, though. He had soul. Yeah, even even with the you know he had, for every uptown girl there's a piano man there, yep, you know what yep. i mean like piano mm-hmm. man is like cliche it is you listen to the lyrics it's not a happy song it's a no. pretty interesting song about these people these te- regulars in a fucking bar uh, you Who are, like just kind of give up on their dreams, but they still talk about their dream. Like there's that element, the human element, I think. And that's getting missing. Like you brought up, it's kind of getting missing in music is the human element parts. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, 
I know it's hard to hear the lyrics for it, but um, we didn't start the fire. B- brilliant, intelligent music from Billy Joel. I fucking love that song. Fucking love that song. And that's uh, the lyrics of um, Sympathy for the Devil um, remind me of that because it's going into like these massive sparks that caused fire. So I always relate those two songs together for whatever, you know, there's a correlation in my head between them. Um, but Indian girl, hundred percent again, yeah, this, it's it, a good it, song. This it's is a, a good song. This is, yeah, this is pr- like m- my, I, I will say it's my favorite song on the album. Yeah, this is yeah. this another one coming up. I kind of, I really like too, but this would be like if I put a mix, like, because like I usually like, from all the albums review that we like, I'll usually throw a song or two on this ongoing mix of mine. So Indian Girl will probably make that mix. Yeah, absolutely. Because absolutely. it's just yeah, it's it's interesting, and it, again, like you said, it, yeah, they're burnouts, they're druggies, but they're not stupid. Uh, for all the shit Keith Richards has done, he's pretty fucking lucid. <laughs> and intelligent when you see you watch interviews with him. <laughs> oh yeah, like I mean, I think some of it, some of it is also played up to for the for show. I mean, they're selling us a product, and the product is the Ro- Rolling Stones. Hundred percent. Yeah. Don't now worry. talking about genius. Now let's go to the the <laughs> antithesis of that with where the boys go. Oh, Jesus Christ! I this was a. This was egregiously bad. <laughs> I, I put this. This is the filler of the filler album. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally my notes. It's the filler of the filler album. And I, I wrote that it's also a, it's a silly song for dudes in their late thirties and early forties to be singing. <laughs> it's like yeah, let's it's bro time. Like yeah, oh, man, like. That's a weird thing to say when you're that old. Like that's what yeah. you say in your twenties, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's I mean, when you got the stones, and again, thinking about they're in their forties at this point. Uh and <laughs> it's not even like their early forties. Let's let's be clear. Uh, it's their early forties. Yeah, so fair. The way I, I see it as Lennon was forty when he died in nineteen eighty. They, oh. I think they're roughly the same age. Yeah, okay, 40. Okay, I was thinking they're going to be more like 43, 44, but I think you might be right. Um, Unless they're that, older than the Beatles, which I don't, I don't think so. I think they're roughly the same age. But. Maybe. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, Saturday night, to hold you tight for a giggle and a laugh, a little bit of ass for a little piece of this and a little bit of that for a little piece of stick for a little piece of cunt. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Again, you're again, it's like they're trying to pepper like value, but it's like, it's here. You don't really hear it when you're listening to it. Honestly, like it's when you look at the lyrics, you're like, Oh, they said they're saying some shit, but yeah, it's, you know, again, it's not cocksucker blues. Yeah. No cocksucker blues is a good song. Uh, yeah, it is a good song. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's just the filler of the filler. It really is. It, it, this is like the trash of the trash. Yeah. Uh, which is okay. So this is a, so now we go to down in the hole. Down this in the is, hole. this is the song I do like a lot too. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just a straight up blues song. It is. It's, it, done it is. Well. it's done well, the guitar. Well, so like between the two, my two favorite songs, Sandwich in the middle is the worst song on the album. No, no, not the worst song, but the filler of the filler, which is a very weird sequencing thing. Yes. Yes. Because this yes. is like, yeah, because this is like this, this blues album is like, it's, you listen to this, like 
man, why didn't they just straight up just either do an acoustic album or a straight up blues album? Well, I don't think they had done a straight up blues album since look, maybe their first album or two. No, there was. I thought there was. I could be wrong. They did Jeff, one after, like in twenty sixteen. Was that it? Okay, because I know yeah, they did. Like, like, I'm talking about like this era. No, no, just, I, I don't think just so. Just go for just do the blues because that's obviously they're they're shining on that this down in the hole. Yeah, this is like where they you know this is where they're you know it, it's still the archetype of their their career, but it's good. It's done well, and it's. It, it is for the shit that's going to come <laughs> after it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For the stuff that's going to come after it. Now, here's my thing, though. And this is. I have written in my note. This is a standard Stones blues song. Now, here's the yep. thing. The Stones were really honestly good. Uh, one of the downsides. Let, let's call the Stones out for what they did. Uh, they, they were also like an Elvis. They stole a lot of, you know, they were a Led Zeppelin. They stole a lot of minority music. And um, took a lot of it and, uh, you know, uh, change it to a way that was palpable for white people. It's just, you know, it is what it is. But they have a specific style and a specific way that the Stones do their blues. Like when you hear it, like even like before the lyrics kick in, I can go, oh, yeah, that is a Stone song. Mick Jagger's going to pop in when it's when it's their blues. They have a very specific way that they do it. It's always good. Don't get me wrong. It's not like the legends blues that we've talked about in the past. Oh God. <laughs> but Bar blues. Yeah. But at the dudes in bars playing blues music. But compared it's the worst to, experience I think I ever have when I go to a bar. I'm just miserable the whole time. Oh God, dude, it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable. But again, compared to what was to come and some of the other blues, like when I like for this album. Yeah, probably up there with Indian Girls, one of the better songs. Yeah. But when I com- but taking it, it's hard for me because I I think about other Stones blues songs and I go, and this doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is not going on a mix for me. No, this isn't going on a mix. Yeah. But, uh, so, it, but I could see this where, album. It's it's probably the, the number two best song. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I I'm with you on that, Joe. So I do agree with that. It, it is it is what they do, and it's what they do very 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 well. Um, All right, Paul. Now we're at the creme de la creme of the album. The one they named it per, after. Obviously, <laughs> your highlight. Oh God, yes. The title track, emotional <laughs> emotional rescue, Paul. Oh boy, lots to unpack here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's the longest song on the album it's it is the longest song on the album uh it hits one of my angry check marks right away with falsetto <laughs> it does i knew right away i when i was listening i knew that now about you i was like oh oh boy yep get the disco beat and it's not like miss you or at least i can see why that's the hit i yep. don't particularly like it but i can recognize why something's popular Mm-hmm. This is a bad song to quote Lars's dad from the Metallica documentary. You must delete this. I get and then it. the saxophone comes in at no random. My God, Paul, they threw a saxophone in this for no reason. Yeah, I mean, they did. But I got to be honest with you. Like, I do get 
why um I get why this was um um why this was the hit. I do in 1980. And I there is a hook. There is a catchiness to this, Joe, and I hate even admitting it, but there is a thing there. The problem is, and, and it's the it's it's the falsetto, it's the ooh hoo hoo that's a sing along that kind of has too for it's, me. it's overproduced. Um, um it, it it's it's not great, but I but I see why. And it, it does have indigestion. this what's that? <laughs> gives me indigestion. It's sure, oh. absolutely. I mean, is it great? No. Again, no, I would actually say it's bad. It's I would bad say song. I would say it's it it's bad. It, but again, it did hit it. Um, now, uh, again, the the band. My understanding is Keith Richard hates this fucking song. He hates the disco stuff. That was a he, sticking point between him and yeah, him and uh, yeah. So yeah, this is this. It was a it was one of the parts of the growing rift between Jagger and Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he plays on it, but he didn't like the direction, the disco direction, especially probably, I think even Richards knew in like 79, this is not, this is not a genre that's going to stick around. And I guess Mick was all in on it. Well, when when the heroin burnout is like, yeah, this is not a good direction. Maybe, you know, sometimes a broken clock is twice. Right a day, <laughs> but again, Mick Jagger would go do dancing in the streets with David Bowie after this, and that's such uh, an embarrassing song. It's an embarrassing Video, song, but but it made them a lot of money. Embarrassing. Ball. It made them a lot of money. It made a lot of fucking money. So you can say it's embarrassing, but it's still Lots used for fucking commercials. Evil. Zack Snyder made a lot of money. It doesn't mean it's high art. <laughs> Bring, bring back the Spider-Verse. Um, <laughs> Marvel movies make a lot of money. They're not high art. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's. If I it, based everything that was quality because it sold a lot, I'd the, be out of trouble. <laughs> but, but I, I would have I, zero taste. <laughs> no, it's valid, but again... I get in 1980. I can I can put myself in 1980 in and your leisure suit in my leisure suit with my friend Larry outside, and outside Studio 54 <laughs> ripping lines off ripping lines doing bumps doing bumps um, with my gold necklace. Um, but I can see where this was kind of a weird amalgamation of rock of blues of disco there's a little bit of everything here and there is a hook there is a hook and the hook isn't bad it's getting to the hook it's the stuff around the hook but again when you think of what disco was dude it was just music to get fucked up to and no one was paying attention to anything but the fucking hook anyways so i get why it was a big song at the i I get why it was commercially successful would it be commercially successful today absolutely not if this if this song had not come out in 1980 and it came out tomorrow people would be it would no one would even know it'd be an unknown on youtube yeah, and the thing is, like the disco songs I like. I mean, even the Dude. verses are interesting. This is you get yet you're just waiting for that hook, and you're just like, this is a lot of bullshit to be sitting through. Like, oh my god, I don't think there's enough cocaine in the world. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Imagine like some remix of this where you're you're just waiting for like half hour for that hook. You're just having to keep ripping lines. Jesus. I'm like a child. I'm like a child. I'm like a child. I'm like a child. Yeah, I. I mean, we can't deny the fact that it became a hit, but we can question. This is like the antithesis, I guess, of Huey Lewis. Like Huey Lewis had no business having songs that good, and yet they were. The Rolling Stones put out a song that had no business being a hit, and yet it was. Like it's weird, Um, but it's because it's the Stones. It's because they had the the productions, because they had the push, they had the name recognition, and they could the 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 record company was going to put any amount of money behind them. Um, because it's the fucking stones. So next we get to She's So Cold, which objectively to me, not going on a mixtape, I'm tired of it, but to me, honestly, it is in in terms of um, production, in terms of what one would consider, it's the best song on the album. It is not my favorite. Um, It is not my second favorite, but just for what it is in terms of what I think the stones do, this is the best. It feels like the least lazy song on the album. If that makes sense. Minus Indian girl. Uh, I, I you can disagree with me, Joe. Absolutely. I disagree with you. Well, I mean, yeah, disagree with me, motherfucker. Well, uh, well, bring it. Bring it. <laughs> don't say objective and then throw in an opinion, Paul. That's not how that word works. <laughs> As a pet peeve of mine, uh, uh, this uh, it it's, uh, it starts and it feels like uh, that song by Lindsey Buckingham for the Vacation movies. So oh, I started, Holiday I Road! Started laughing right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then oh. it made me like, oh, I'd rather be listening to that Lindsey Buckingham song instead of this. Which is crazy because you hated the Lindsey Buckingham album. Oh, I hated that album. I hated that. Listen to that song over this one. Uh, yeah, it's it's solid. This is like them trying to make. A single, but my note on this, it's a really real filler song for uh, a single. Like, it doesn't, nothing pops on it for me. You know, it's yep. like they don't bump up the chorus or, or anything like that. So it just kind of, it falls flat for me. But it, it, again, it, it does. But again, I get the, the commercial appeal of the hook. Yeah, I get like, the appeal. And then the lyrics are pretty lazy. And it's a lot of repeating, Paul. Mm-hmm. It's a you know she's born in the Arctic zone like try a little better man yeah she's yeah. born in Antarctica it does sound a lot better uh, yeah um, absolutely I, I mean it, it yes <laughs> but it does piss me off because again it's my pet peeve of the of the lyrics but you're so cold Paul you're so cold you're so cold the, you're so cold the first fucking verse. I'm so hot for her. I'm so hot for her. I'm so hot for her. She's so cold. I'm so hot for her. I'm on fire for her. I'm so hot for her. And she's so cold. There's, there was blow being done in the studio. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> He's the burning bush, Paul. <laughs> He's, so cold. He's the bleeding volcano. Yeah, absolutely. But, but the, but the, the, again, the hook is there. Um, next we get to all about you, Joe. what do you think of all about you? This is the ending, Paul. This is the all about you is probably the most interesting for me. 
go on. The most interesting album, song I album. Mm-hmm. So this album ends on a Keith Richards song, song, which is basically a fuck you to Bank Shaker. <laughs> uh, essentially, yes. Yes. I mean, it'd be, this would be like a- ending Abbey Road with How Do You Sleep at Night. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. You know, yes, I mean? like it's I interesting. Do. I like his vocals on this because, you know, we get the bombastic Jagger all the time. Mm-hmm. You rarely get the, the Richards. And when you get Keith, and his vocals sound so vulnerable on this. And uh-huh. I, I really like it. It's not my favorite, like, but I think it ends on an interesting song. And yeah, I find this probably the most interesting. It has more to say than any of the other songs I'd get. I think at least like, yeah, Indian girl has the story. So I like that, but this is kind of like, this is like behind the curtain shit (laughs) that I think music dorks like us. Like we like get really greedy about it. Like, oh, what's this about? Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going those deep dives on YouTube, which I probably will after we do this. After we wrap this up, I'm like, okay, let's see. Uh, then I'm gonna watch some interviews on what Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, we, when you when you can when you get the songs that you can read between the lines. Yeah, and we've talked about that a lot. Like we've haven't really dug into it per se a lot on the show, but there's times where we're like, hey, a couple songs and we're like, something was going on. they were going through some shit Um, if the show must go on let it go on without you yeah yeah i must i spend my time with you so sick of hanging around with jerks like you You and like this does not feel like he's singing about a spurned being spurned by a woman this sounds like he's like he's pissed off at somebody (laughs) that the person that's target on his back at this time especially is jagger well, and, and you know, and who tells me those lies? Let me think they're true. I heard one or two, and they weren't about me, and they weren't about her. They were all about you, about well, you. Uh, yeah. So sick and tired of hanging around with dogs like you. Yeah, there is, there is, there is, there is. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, this is like you know the <laughs> the dirt behind the scenes stuff, and you know, I love digging into that, and it's, it's a. It's actually a good song to end it on and the album with, even though it's kind of jarring that, I mean, like surprisingly Jagger doesn't play on this performance track. Shocker. (laughs) Shocker, shocker, shocker. Um, Yeah. I I mean, the one thing I will say that yes, his, 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 his vocals are vulnerable, However, man, he gets out of key a lot, and that is something that is a little difficult for me. Um, I'm all right. I've listened to enough punk music in my time that somebody who's not a, a singer, I'm. It doesn't bother me as much. Right. As, like if Jagger's singing out of key, that would bother me. But if it's like somebody who's not, like I'm a little more forgiving. Oh my god! Not, when it's not the the, the singer of the band. Um, right. There was something I actually meant to send you the, uh, uh, last week and I'll, that, that you totally just hit it on me. It was an isolated vocal <laughs> from say it ain't so on Weezer. Have you heard that? Where it's one of the, it's the backing guy. Oh, have, <laughs> Matt Sharp. Yeah. Matt Sharp. Yes, 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 yes. The Matt Sharp backing vocal. Yeah. 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 
Um, uh, uh, but anyways, I get it. And it is a weird way to end the album. And, uh, I, whoever was in the, I think whoever was in the know when it came to the sacred thing was like, yes, <laughs> let's put it here. I'm in on this. Yeah. 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 So, um, but that's what it is. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know. kudos to Keith to put the fuck you, even getting the fuck you song on the album, but I guess he still had some pull, even though there's still that friction within the band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fucking, I, I love Keith Richards. <laughs> he's just, he's just such a weird fucking guy. Yeah, absolutely. He is. He's a fascinating. He's a very guy. interesting guy. Her guy who probably should be like brain dead, uh, and the fact that he can still give very intelligent interviews and shit is just hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Joe. Yeah. He's not yeah. an idiot. Him and Jagger are not dumbasses. They're, they're not dumbasses, and that's the thing. You know, I, I, one of the big things that happen with a lot of like because. I, I think this is a really good time to maybe bring this up too. I know this is going to be a longer version, but it, it, you remember when the Beatles said they're bigger than Jesus and everyone fucking flipped out and there started to be this really giant push against the British invasion of music because they were bringing intelligent lyrics. They were bringing thought provoking Things over here where a lot of what was going on in American music was very bubblegum, was very superficial, was very surface level. It was, uh, in a, a, quote, innocent. It was harmless. It wasn't anything. And when someone would bring that kind of up, there was a lot of pressure to push it down. Like, oh, man, we don't want people doing that. And the British invasion was all about fuck that. I mean, they were doing a lot of stuff. I mean, it, the fact that the that the Rolling Stones um, have one, which is uh, bizarre. Again, they're they're part of that invasion. One of their songs is what we is synonymous in every Vietnam movie, which is "Give Me Shelter." Yeah, um, and every Scorsese movie too. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there was this. There was this whole idea of like, oh man, the Beatles are, you know, I, I remember watching interviews when it, when, it, when it's the Beatles and they're trying to push people like, well, you know, they're, they've had their time, right? They're interviewing these kids and I'm like, no, I think there's some stuff going on. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, and like, like they cut someone off and this kid would be like, I think Herman Hermits is going to be the biggest new band ever. And you're just like, yeah, there you heard it. You're here. Herman's Hermits is the next big band. Um, and there was just this giant push and it, it was because of the intelligence it was because they were pushing them up it was because i mean now edge lords the problem with edge lords is it's been done you're not doing anything in terms of being intelligent or pushing anything you're just being an asshole yeah, when it was shock for shock without any <clears throat> real thought behind it without any it's it's the rebel without a cause right because there's no point anymore now when the stones and the beatles and people were pushing things out it's because there was boundaries there what boundary are you trying to push now i mean i get it you know the, the, i saw i'm gonna get on a soapbox here. i saw something before we we started this podcast where they're like 
someone was bringing up, oh my God, you're Ben Stiller, you know, he's, he's, is he going to cave to woke culture? Because people are asking him now if he regrets putting out Tropic Thunder and like a bunch of the comments were actually fucking normal. And people are like, I don't think this ever happened. Like who's going to Ben Stiller? How many years later going, do you regret making Tropic Thunder or are you going to, you know, are you going to disavow Tropic Thunder? And all these people like this isn't happening, at least in the real pockets of the real world. This isn't a conversation that's occurring. Twitter's but, not real life. Like, right. People get outraged and like, I hate to sound like I'm complaining about cancel culture. I'm not. <clears throat> people have legitimate uh, grievances to raise, but like, when you get pissed off about Tropic Thunder, where the context of the character in question, the Robert Downey Jr. character is, he's the asshole. He's the joke. It's not the blackface. It's the fact <laughs> that he's such a method actor and he does something so disgustingly wrong and he doesn't see it that is the joke we're laughing at him we're not laughing with him yeah absolutely right right and so when i i kind of look at some of this stuff and i guess my, my my whole point with it was was that the the fact that people lump i think mick jagger in and keith richard because this is more of that push of the anti-British invasion of, oh my God, they're just spotty. You know, they're, they're burnouts, they're drug addicts. Oh my God, Keith Richards doesn't know where he is half the time. Oh my God, why would you ever pay attention to anything in the Rolling Stone lyrics? Because they're, this is what they do. I mean, this is what people do just to, to kind of cover it up. And you look at things like Indian Girl, holy fuck, dude, 1980. Again, think about that, 1980. That's a really, really crazy song to be putting out in 1980 politically when you really think about it. Well, um, the invasion of Granada was what? Absolutely. Just a, like a year away or mm-hmm. is it going on? I forget. Like I'm, I forget, but yeah, it's, they hit, they, you know, there's a lot of the dumb shit and, but like it hides a lot of like the more, you know, intent, you know, for every like, Stupid, like I hate brown sugar, and mm-hmm. I recognize that's a very that's such a fucking racist song. But they it just, is like you have something like Dead Flowers, mm-hmm. which is just like fucking a junkie yep. song, and it's just like whoa, this yeah. is glamorizing the drug life. This is kind of show like it's pretty pretty fucked up. Yeah, so I mean you can you can look at what they did because you know commercially let's I mean especially in America. Let's call a spade a spade here. Typically, your more intelligent, your more thought-provoking songs do not become the big hits. Um, So you got to look into the deep cuts of things like that. So, yeah, I think, you know, again, why would an album that's this bad be this good? Well, again, we talked about in the beginning, the Stones have this kind of magic, this kind of thing to it. But we're not talking about the Stones and Hole. We're talking about Emotional Rescue, the album, Joe. Joe, would you recommend <laughs> Emotional Rescue the album? No, this is a bad. This is not a good Stones <laughs> album. This is a. It's the thing. Here's the the egregious thing about this is it's not terrible either. It's so boring. Mm-hmm. It's a boring album. It's generic. It's phoned in, except for like a few spots. Really uninspired. Uh, like I said at the beginning, it feels like they're on fumes at this point. Uh, you know, this is kind of like the last gasp of them, kind of uh, 
you know, crank, you know, like the album after this will have a couple of hits and then they kind of just, they'll put out albums, but they won't, it wasn't a big deal anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to say they're past their expiration date because that feels disingenuous, but people, younger people who are buying albums were not buying brand new Rolling Stones albums. No, no, they, they were buying, they're buying Sticky Fingers, they're buying Beggar's Banquet, mm-hmm. uh, they're not buying Emotional Rescue. No, no, so no, no, I would not. It's not a good album. It's not a good album. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, again, I said it earlier in the podcast. If you are interested in being like in a Rolling Stones cover band, or you want to, or you're so obsessed with the style of the Stones and you want to learn that DNA, this is the perfect album for it. Because again, all the window dressing is gone. Every single beat, every single point for every style of Rolling Stones um, that they do, all their tips and tricks are right here. Like this is like a magician doing a doing his tricks in a glass in a in a clear glass box for everyone to see how it's done this is what that album is the problem so it's fascinating in that regards but i can't recommend it because it's as you said it's not terrible to the point where it's entertaining what i i, I will love a terrible bad movie uh, just as much as i love a great academy award-winning movie because there's entertainment value but once you start getting into that average band, that that four, five, six star rating out of ten, that's where I struggle, and that's what what this is. It's not like I said, the Rolling Stones fail upward. Any other band, this would have been an absolute epic failure. They still got a couple hits out of it, um, but it, at the same time, no, I can't fucking recommend this album. It's goddamn trash. No, uh, the hits came off, I think, because they were basically forced. I mean, you, you got it. I mean, it's kind of like the Rolling Stones. Has the Rolling Stones ever really given the stone? I mean, uh, the Rolling Stone magazine ever given the Stones a bad fucking review, even when they got really bad albums or put out really bad solo stuff? Fuck no, because they're legacy acts. At this point, they were they had earned the point in 1980 of being a legacy act. So, yeah, I that's my thought, Joe. So, no, I'm not recommending it. All right, I guess we're on the same page, Paul. Mm-hmm. That was emotional rescue <laughs> by the Rolling Stones. Yes, e- yes. Right. Um, so there we go. All right, Joe. Um, Pluggy McPluggertons. Got what no do you guys? Plugs. No plugs. What's, no plugs. No plugs. Um, I don't either at this point. Um, like I said, I brought up the one that I'm working on that I'm currently still writing and doing things for. But um, uh, as you could tell, we're in season four now. New year, new season. Um, I think that's how I'm going to do it now. Every time we hit January, I'll, um, I will make it a new season. Um, Joe. Joe. Do, do you want to ask me what what we're... What, what we're doing next 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 week joe do you want to ask oh what are we going to review next week so we're doing two we're doing two albums two short albums um so um (laughs) there's been some breaking news joe in the wrestling world hulk hogan 
can't feel his legs anymore. It's going to be wheelchair bound. And there's questions about how much longer Mr. Hulk Hogan has. Much like Randy Savage. Did you know that Hulk Hogan put out an album called Hulk Rules? Yes. With uh, Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. Are you familiar with this? Yep. It's a short album, Joe. It's only a half hour long. That's album number one that we're doing. It's an EP. I figure we can't just do an album on that. So to contrast that, Joe, we are doing another EP. A four-song EP from the Shoegaze band called Outside Your Room um, as the album by Slow Dive. Okay. That is four songs, and it's coming in at 20 minutes. (laughs) Good, they're long songs. <laughs> they're long songs, buddy. Yep. So we got Hulk Rules. Now, I don't know if Hulk Rules is on any streaming services. We might have to run into um, uh, what's-her-nuts territory, um, Amanda Lear territory. I know it is out there on YouTube and Daily Motion and those places. Um, so I, if you can't find it, let me know, and I will send you it. Um, I know that the slow dive is out there. Okay. So how do you feel, Joe? This, uh... <laughs> this is what you were going to get. This is what you were going to get instead of Blondie, by the way, was yeah. going to be this, this, this setup instead of Blondie. Luckily we, 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 we moved it a week, but, um, I've been meaning to get to this one and, uh, it's about time. You'll pay, Paul. Don't think you won't pay. I'm sure I will pay. You know what, though, man? It's this was rough. So I just figure let's just continue on the downtrend and try to hit fucking rock bottom fast. So, (laughs) Paul, we got I got my wheel of shit and I can bring us to rock bottom if you want. All right. (laughs) Well, 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 I know. I know. I know you got shit. I know you got shit. So. All right. Well, Joe, anything else we need to cover that we want to talk about the stones or anything that we didn't hit? All right. So, Joe, you and I were talking a little bit after the podcast, and we're just going to do a quick add on here. We decided that there's enough, and you agree with me, to talk about with Hulk Hogan, and we want to give Slow Dive our true, um, their true due, as it were, on a not not on a wasted EP. We're going to just go full bore in the Hulk territory next week, aren't we? You got that, brother. Mm, brother, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sushi. <laughs> <Come on. All laughs> right. Now, Joe, do you want to take us out? <clears throat> no, no. Did we love you? Did we hate you? Do you even care? Yes, you did. We're the best. Damn review team out there. How did we rate your album?